But we are in James chapter 1, heading back there. We did our Christmas series of looking at the genealogy of God, and now we are hopping back to James chapter 1. Uh, today we'll be looking at verses 19 through 21. Uh, so we will read it, and we will pray, and then we will study it together. James 1, starting at verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come before you again uh, just thankful. Thankful to have your word in front of us. Thankful that we can understand it. Uh, Lord, that we could look into even the words and know the meaning of what you have to say for us. You do not speak in a way that's am, uh, ambiguous or, or, or in a way that we can't understand. You speak clearly and concisely. And God, we give you praise for this. Uh, Lord, we do pray that your Holy Spirit would be working in our church today. Uh, Lord, that you would, you would reveal not just the, the meaning of these words, but applying it to our hearts, that you would use the Holy Spirit to do that. God, we pray that you would work in power here this morning because we know your word is power. God, I do pray uh, that I would be able to step to the side, that you would be able to speak to your people uh, in, in a way that they can understand it and apply it to their lives. I do ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Uh, when, when was the last time you got angry? Just think about that in your own mind. You don't have to make eye contact with someone, maybe if you got angry at them. All right, but think about that. Was, was that uh, this morning on, on the way to church or trying to get everyone in the car and get there? Was that last night? Was it last week? Uh, you, you probably even have, because we get angry so often as people, uh, you probably have a specific time that you know that you were angry. Uh, and I want you to ask yourself, what good came from that? What beneficial thing happened in your life or in your relationship, maybe even with that person, because of that anger? Did anything good come from that? Well, what, what is the product of anger? What does it do in us? Because I would, I, I would think if we're all honest here this morning... That we would all say, yes, I have been angry. Maybe even if we were to put a time capsule on this and say one week. All right, one week we can name numerous times when we got angry. Uh, so we do that. But what, what is the benefit? What are, what are the ramifications, if you will, of anger? Uh, the Bible clearly lays it out for us here in James chapter 1. But before we do that, we need to remember what we're talking about. Because we've been gone away for a good chunk of time from James. Uh, we've been gone for about five weeks, so maybe some of us have forgotten what's going on. Uh, this is a book uh, written to Christians who are on the run. On the run for their lives, who are going through incredible struggles that maybe, maybe some of us in this room could relate to. Many of us probably couldn't. Uh, of the, the amounts of struggles and pains and sacrifices that the, these people have made uh, because of their faith. And yet, all the while, we see God continually saying through James... That there needs to be joy in this, right? Verse 3, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness.
steadfastness. And uh, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's that's the initial idea. And then throughout the next couple verses, he kind of expands on that. Gets into why we get into trials. And we, we, we talked about how we don't blame God for our trials. We can't honestly do that. Because whose fault is it that we get locked into these trials? It's ours. It's, it's our sin that leads to it, right? And he even gets into the nature of sin. And it's our desire and we crave it and we, and we pursue things that we ought not to pursue. And then, just so that we're all on the same page, uh, that's what James is thinking for his audience. Well, we, we can look at the goodness of God and know that it is not God's fault that we get into trials and temptations, that we get uh, even into sinful situations. It's not his fault. It's our fault. And he is the good one. Right? Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So here's the transitioning idea between these, these trials and temptations and, and what he is going to be talking about for the rest of the chapter. Uh, this key idea of the word. What does the word do? Well, right off the bat in a believer's life, it says that he brought us forth. Uh, your Bible might even say baguette because it has the idea of giving birth. So how did, how did you become a believer in Jesus Christ? Was that apart from the word of God? No. Right? Maybe it wasn't a specific uh, scripture verse that you, you heard and you then knew, all right, I need to repent of my sin. But it was a truth that you can find in Scripture. Right? Because that's how God works in the world. He uses His Word to transform our hearts. And that's, uh, that's the very beginning. And then what He's going to do is now say, all right, if you have been brought forth or you're born of the Word, you're now a Christian, all right, what are the ramifications of that? What are, what are, what, what are the personality, the traits, if you will, of a Christian, uh, and how do we we reconcile those with with what we are before, right? Uh, very similar to an idea, and we'll even see it in a couple of verses here of Ephesians chapter four, uh, of talking about what we were like before Christ, and what happens when you become a Christian. What should be the the transition there? What does that look like? How does it happen? Well, it has this key idea. Of the word. So let's start here in verse 19 and we'll go through this together. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So he starts this by saying, Know this. Uh, there's emphasis here in the Greek, which means that it's not just like, hey, this is kind of an idea that you need to uh, wrap your mind around, but it, this is like him being like, Get this through your head. All right, he, he's, he's being pretty stern and harsh even with the way he's starting this out. He says, know this, get this. And notice even how he, he says it. Know this, my beloved brothers. This is uh, really uh, a convicting passage for me and maybe even for other leaders. Because this is what good leadership looks like. Like there, there is a truth that this, this audience needs to know. Uh, of, of what anger is like and the ramifications of it and how, uh, how terrible it is for you. It's not beneficial. And so there's this harsh truth that he needs to communicate to these people. But look at what he says. He says, get this, and it's harsh, 
and then my beloved brothers. So, so there is love here. It's not just get this truth to them and, and, and kind of yelling at them. You might even think about that in the wording here. But this is good leadership. There's harsh truth, but there, it's, it's in this idea of love. That he loves these people so much that, yes, he's going to communicate this harsh truth to them. But he wants them to get it. He, he's stern on that. But he loves them at the same time. All right, so, so he says, uh, know this, my beloved brothers. What is the truth that they need to get? Well, he says, let every person do something. All right, so it's everybody. So we can apply that to us. Say, each and every one of us, Pastor Dean, the rest of our church, we all need to get this. Let every person, no one gets out of it. No one gets to say, oh, well, I, I'm excluded from this. Let each person do what? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. All right, so quick to hear. What is the idea here? It, it, it means that you listen very fast, right? Like you're, you're such a fast listener. No. It means that you run to it. You run to listening. Right? You, that you hear people when they talk. You're not thinking, what am I going to say? Have you ever done that? I get caught in this all the time. Especially when you're having a conversation with someone, maybe even about your faith, and, and you're having a debate back and forth about it. Uh, and they're talking, and, and you catch on one little part of their, their statement, and you start going uh, like 100 miles in your mind of what I'm going to say to refute that, right? Uh, maybe you've been there, or am I the only sinful person here? All right. Uh, we, we do that. We need to be quick to hear, run to listening, actually hear someone out. This should really, the idea here is that it should be our first instinct. Now, is it? If, if we're not going to work on this, are, are you going to be someone who's quick to hear? Maybe your personality is more of that way. But I think it's, it's part of our sinful nature, or it's part of our human nature, that our first instinct is not to listen, but to talk, right? Because your opinion doesn't matter, it's my opinion that counts. Right? We, have, we have that pride within us. But he says, be quick to, to hear, run to it. And of course, he gives the opposite then after this, slow to speak. So run to listening, let that be your first instinct, and then be slow to speak. Now, uh, just so we're on the same page, this is not in the context of judgment. Right, some people get that wrong about this passage and say, well, you just can't judge people or, or what they're doing. Yeah, you know, you've got to be uh, quick to hear and slow to speak. It's not talking about judgment. This is more of attacks. Because again, we're talking about the, the overall idea here is of tri uh, tribulation. All right? Of real suffering. All right? So this is some type of personal attack, if you will. And often, isn't that the most times that you get angry about something? When it's personal? Right? It's not about like some philosophical ideas when you get angry. It's when it comes home and someone says, no, you, this is the problem. That, that's when we get angry. All right, so he's, he's talking about personal attacks. He says, be slow to speak. So do the opposite of your nature. You guys, you guys feeling how hard this is? <laughs> like as, at least as when I was studying this week, I was looking at this and going, that's not me. That's, the, that's not what I, what I am apart from Christ. I, I'm the complete opposite of this. I, I want to I speak before I listen. All right, and, and even the context here, you've got to think about it. Even if your speech is to defend yourself, 
right? Because we're talking about a personal attack. Even then, even when all of your nature and your flesh cries out to defend yourself, you say, no, I need to work on my instincts here, change my instincts, and be quick to hear. Listen to what needs to be said from this other individual. Be slow to retaliate, to talk back. Now, why do you think that is? Why, what, are, what are the practical things of that? Well, what he's going to get into, right? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And thus, this is really summing up the, the, like the, the thought of this, like a, like a step kind of a thing. Step one, step two, and this is like the, 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 the final thing of it. Slow to anger. If you're thinking, all right, well, all right. You know, when I was thinking about when I was angry, I, I thought about this time and that time and this time and that time. And that's, that's just the last day. You go back into the week and you start counting on two hands. Right? You're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm angry too often. Uh, this is how the Lord can work in your life to, to make it to where you are not going to act out in that anger. Work on your instincts. Be quick to hear, slow to, uh, slow to speak, and thus you will be slow to anger. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 27, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So notice the wording there, restrains his words. That, that's someone who has knowledge. So sometimes we need to hold back. Sometimes we can't just speak whatever is coming out in our minds. Some of us have a hard time with filters. right? Maybe you're, maybe you're one of those people who just... Yeah, you just kind of blurt out whatever you're thinking. Well, here, uh, we, we need to be wise about this so that we can be slow to anger. So some of us might say it. Well, Pastor Dean, I don't, I don't, get, uh, I don't get this because I, this is the way I am. I'm wired this way. Well, um, I'm wired to sin. Right? <laughs> like, like, that's my wiring. I, I sin a lot. Does that make it right? No. All right, so, so even if your personality is given to this, and this is not like Pastor Dean lecturing here, this, I'm speaking to myself too. Even if our personalities are, are, are bent this way, of that we are quick tempered, that doesn't exclude us, right? Because what does he say? Let every person, regardless of your personality, right? And sometimes we need to understand what that total depravity really means, All right? Total depravity doesn't mean that you are the worst that you could ever possibly be. What it means is that every single aspect of who you are as a human being is affected by sin. So your, your, your desires are affected by sin. Your mind is affected by sin. Your body is affected by sin, right? We get sick. Maybe some of us have been sick even this week. That's why. All right, but also your personality. Your personality is not left on the clear uh, of being apart from sin. Sometimes we need to work even on our personality. So if, if you're a person who's thinking, well, I'm, I'm wired this way, uh, you can might maybe even fall into the trap of what other people say about another per particular sin and say, I was born this way. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you were. Maybe you were born this way with anger. It doesn't make it right. So we still need to work on that. Even, even some things within our personality. 
Maybe if you're even thinking about things that are a part of your personality apart from anger, and you're kind of getting, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to change these things. Maybe so. All right, so uh, let's uh, look on the back of our bulletins here. On the back, I always put a couple little things. And again, uh, this is not like a, I'm not going to test you on it later kind of a thing. This is just a thing that I was asked to do to kind of help you guys out with it, uh, of where we're going. But number one, uh, the Word can teach us new instincts. The Word can teach us new instincts. Because we're looking at what the Word's impact is on a Christian's life. Right? It can teach you new instincts. While, while you might be like just a, as a habit, maybe within, within your personality, within your mind, of that you are bent to getting angry fast, God's Word can help us with that. And maybe if there's another instinct in your life that, that, that you're working on and you're thinking, man, this is sinful... The Word can teach us new instincts. Uh, we don't have to stay with that and say, well, it's just part of my wiring. It's part of who I am. All right, so let's look at the effects. Verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So why is anger such a big deal? Why is he, why is he zooming in on that particular sin and not something else? Why isn't he talking about adultery? Well, because anger is a big deal. Because it doesn't produce something that we want. Because it doesn't produce righteousness. The righteousness of God, that's what we want, and anger isn't going to help you. You might think it will. Right? We could easily, like, fool ourselves in, in even what, what he talks about with our our sinful nature, and we can be led astray. Verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. We can trick ourselves into saying, well, if I get angry here, uh, it's good because I'm right. Because, because I, I'm the one in the right, and that other person is in the wrong, so it's going to help me. No, anger is not going to help you. It's not going to help you live holier. It's only going to hurt you. Now, I'm, I'm talking about anger, and maybe some of you are going, but what about righteous anger? Well, if you remember a couple times we've talked about that, I doubt whether any of us in this room have ever experienced righteous anger. When, when I look through the New Testament, I only see it a couple times. A couple times from Jesus, a couple times from Paul. And other times, you see people, and they're really thinking about themselves. So have we really experienced that? I'm not sure. Are you really thinking about the, the righteousness and the holiness of God when you're getting angry? Most of the time, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, probably not. All right, so, so this kind of anger that's focused in on us, because that's really what it is. You, you hurt me, right? Um, I've shared this many times, but uh, an argument I got in with my best friend. Uh, like, I got back from college. We've been best friends since fifth grade. And, and he tells me, I don't like the way you treat your little brother. And my immediate reaction was to say, how dare you? Who are you to say that to me? He's my best friend. Right? He, if anyone has the right to tell me something like that, it's him. But my gut was thinking about me, right? Like my instinct was focused on me and I got angry. Right? So that, that's what we do. But what does that produce then? If it doesn't produce the righteousness of God, what does it produce? Well, God's word is very helpful. He tells us exactly what it produces. The first thing that it produces is troubles. Uh, Proverbs 10 verse 12 Anger stirs up strife, 
but, the, uh, but love covers all offenses. So anger, it stirs it up. It stirs up troubles. You get into problems when you get angry. Right? Have you ever been in an argument, maybe even with your spouse? And the argument started as this one little thing. Right? And then the next thing you know, it's this bigger thing. Next thing you know, it's this even bigger thing. Next thing you know, you haven't talked to each other in a couple hours. Right? Like that, that's how anger works. It causes problems, relational problems uh, between you and loved ones, between you and just other individuals. It stirs up troubles. What else does it produce? Well, it actually produces an addiction. Uh, Proverbs 19, verse 19. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. For if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. All right, so the idea here is that this guy, if you bail him out, this, this guy who's just full of wrath, he's just an angry guy, and, and you bail him out of trouble, you're only going to have to do it again. Why? Because he's addicted to that anger. Because he's just going to keep on going back to it. He's continually in his anger. And we know that. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life. Uh, of When you get angry, you like it. There's something in you that, that you enjoy about that. Maybe it's the fact that when you're sitting there and you're angry and you're thinking, well, I know better than everyone else. right? I'm in the right, they're in the wrong, and there's like this, this puffy pride that builds up. That's what anger produces, an addiction to it. What else? Foolish decisions. Proverbs 14, verse 17. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. So when you're angry, you act dumb. Right? This isn't like super deep theology. Right? This is pretty practical. You're going to do something that's foolish. Something that you wouldn't do if you weren't angry. Right? Uh, it, it's, it's basically a drug. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But it makes you do things that you wouldn't do if you weren't angry. Things that you would never say. Have you ever been there? If you're having a conversation with someone, and you would never have said that to that individual, whether it's your spouse or, or your, your kid or, or just your friend maybe. And you would never say that, that statement to that person, but you were so angry that you said it anyways. What is that? It's foolish. That's what anger leads to. What else? Conflict with others. Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So you're just going to get into trouble. You're going to get into troubles with other people. You're going to get on the wrong side of people. They're going to be... Uh, you, you might think, oh, it's just one little thing that I'm angry about, but then it becomes this bigger thing. Then you start making some of those foolish decisions. Next thing you know, that person's angry. It spreads. And now you have this completely messed up situation, all because of sinful anger. That's, where, that's what anger produces. It doesn't lead to righteousness. And we've got to ask ourselves, well, if it doesn't lead to righteousness, then what is it? course the obvious answer is sin it's displeasing to god if it's not the righteousness of god which is what we're aiming for of holy living before god almighty and praise and worship of him then it's displeasing so uh, on the back of your bulletins here anger is a drug 
that intoxicates the user with pride. You might not think about it that way. You might just think, oh, it's just a little thing. It's not a big deal. But it's the same thing as getting drunk or getting high on some kind of substance. You start doing things that you would never do before. It starts uh, controlling your, your actions, your words. And it, and it intoxicates you with pride. Because all you're thinking about in that anger is who? Me. What's best for me? Why don't they see it from my point of view? Don't they see how they're hurting me? We're not thinking about others. We're definitely not thinking about God. We're just focused on us. So this righteousness of God, that is our goal. This holy living which pleases Him, this is what we want. And anger gets in the way of it. So what should we do with it? Get rid of it. Right? Be done with it. And sometimes that, that's really painful. Because we have to, to look in the mirror and face some bitter truths about ourselves. Here's a challenge for you. When you go home today, and maybe you're just alone with your spouse or your parent or a friend, ask them, someone who's close to you, Ask him, am I an angry person? Am, am I quick-tempered? I want an honest answer from that. And, and you might be tempted even in that moment to lash out. All right, once they give you that honest answer. All right, but just be thinking about this passage here. Am I an angry person? And if, if the answer is yes, then fight it. All right, so how do we, how do we fix this? Anger is a problem. We get that. How, how, do we, how do we fix this problem? Verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So therefore, so this is based off of uh, the goodness, the, the righteousness that we want to be having as our goal. Uh, if we want to really hit that goal, what do we got to do? Well, we have to put off something. Um, this it means to get it away. Um, when we were in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about putting off the old man. Remember when we talked about how it's like taking a jacket that's on you and you take it off and put it far away from you? The idea here is that you're no longer connected with it. Uh, it's a complete separation. that You get it as far away from you as possible. So get this thing off. Put it away. What are we to put off? Two things. It says all filthiness. Alright, so all. It's not just some. It's not like the really, really bad stuff. Get rid of those things and you keep the others. Right? As long as it's not that dirty. No, all filthiness. Get it away from you. The Greek is ruparia. Which means, uh, which really has the, the root idea of dirt. That's, what, that's why maybe your Bible says dirtiness or filthiness. Or maybe even some go with the, the uh, interpreting it for you a little bit and say moral filthiness or moral dirtiness. They're all getting the, the basic idea here. But we find this word actually, again, uh, this is, these are the only two places that we, we find it. All right, uh, at least the root of it. Uh, James 2 verse 2. 
For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and then he's going to talk about what you're supposed to do in that situation. But you have the idea of a, a rich man, and he's got really nice clothes. And then you have a poor man, and he has shabby clothes. The word for shabby is the same word here, riparia. All right, so, so it's dirt. You can think of it like when you're walking down the street. And, and here we live in Saskatoon, and there's, it's, uh, like, there's a lot of good things to love about our city. One of the things that's not so nice is it's usually pretty dirty. All right, so, so we're walking around the street, and maybe you see a jacket sitting there on the street, covered in all kinds of dirt, uh, germs, that you you would look at that, and are, are you going to put that thing on? Would any of us? Like, let's say it's, it's a little cool out there, uh, and we're, we're walking around just like a hoodie or something like that, and we see a, a jacket there, and it's puffy, and it looks warm, but there's all kinds of dirt. It's been left out there for a long time. Is any one of us going to look at that thing and say, ooh, I'm going to put that thing on. No, right? Like, that'd be gross. We, we would maybe even, we, like, wouldn't even put it away, or if we did, uh, we would take a stick and, and hold it, right? Why do you do that? Because it's dirty. Because it's filthy. That's what our sin is like. That's, a, that's, that's the idea here. Ruperia, it's dirty, it's filthy, it's gross. So put it away from you. Get rid of that. You're going to want to put that thing on. What else are we supposed to put off? Wickedness. Now as a kid, uh, this was my favorite verse. Uh, because uh, I grew up in a pretty conservative background. And we use the King James Version. And if you look in the King James Version, what does it say there? It doesn't say rampant wickedness. Superfluity of naughtiness. That's what it says. Uh, now, as a kid, I looked at that and I was like, what in the world does that even mean? I have no idea, but it's funny and I'm going to say it. Uh, what, what does that mean? What is, what is he talking about here? He's talking about sin, wickedness, immorality that's out of control. I mean, just rampant. I like the way the ESV puts it. It's everywhere. It's not just this dirtiness that like is sitting right there, but it's this wickedness that's just like in every aspect of your life. And he's saying, put it away. Get rid of it. Now, really what we're talking about these things, these are all effects of anger. All right? like, like I was saying, it makes you do things that you wouldn't normally do. It makes you say things that you wouldn't normally say. What does it make you do and say? Sin. Right? And this isn't exclusive to anger. Sin always leads to more sin. Right? And so what he's saying is these effects of it, get rid of it. Get it completely off of you. This filthiness, this, this wickedness that's just rampant. Get it off of you. How do you do that? Right? It's, it's one thing to say that. I get that. It's one thing for Pastor Ian to come to the pulpit and say, stop sinning so much. Right? Does that, does that really make a, a difference? Maybe a little bit, but how do you do that? How, how can I stop this filthiness? How can I stop this rampant wickedness? How can I stop being so angry and having all these effects of it? What do we need to do? God in His wisdom has told us. 
He says, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So we cannot, the, the first thing is that we cannot do this on our own. We need to realize that. We cannot just fight our sin. We cannot just be done with anger. We cannot just fix ourselves. That's number one, is realizing that you need help. And that, that's the same for any kind of addiction, like what we're looking at here with anger. You have to realize that you need someone, an outside source to help you. And you've got to receive something. The word receive is, is it's really beautiful what he's doing here. Because it's talking about taking in. And what is that thing that we're supposed to take into ourselves? The implanted word. All right, so, so it has this idea of not just like having the word in front of you and reading it, but like taking it in and making it a part of you. Uh, it, it's, it's like a sponge. That's, that's the best way I think I can put it. If you're cleaning something, let's say there's like this stubborn um, mess on, on the counter and you're trying to clean this thing, are you going to take a sponge and just kind of dip it in the water real quick and then uh, go at that thing? No. You're going to take that sponge, and if it's a really messy situation, you're going to take that sponge, put it into that soapy water, and, and get all of it, uh, the amount of water that it can hold, right? And take it out with all of that in it, and then go to town on the thing, trying to clean that thing up. That, that's, that's what's happening here. That we must receive the word, and not just like in the superficial way of having it read to us or something like that. But we need to take it and like with our, with our lives kind of bathe ourselves in the word and absorb, absorb it, and, and then take it into those filthy situations, that, that rampant wickedness, because the word is the thing that's doing the power here, like that has the power to actually make a difference. It's not us. It's the word that does the work. But there is something that we must have. All right. uh, it's not that we get out of it and just say, well, you know, if God wants me to clean up the situation in my life, he's, he's going to do it through the word. No, that you need to have something. What is it? Well, it's how you receive this word. With meekness. With meekness. What does that mean? Well, the root idea is of humility. Gentleness. It's awesome because it's the complete opposite of anger. Because anger is all about pride. It's all about me. And meekness is all about humility. And understanding that you're not enough. So we got to cry out to God. we got to cry out to God, be in the word, and let, let receive it with humility so that we can have uh, a difference made in our lives through the power of the word. And why do we need it? Oh, number, number three here. Uh, humility is the only way to receive the word. On the back of your bulletins there. Humility is the only way to receive the word. So why do we need it? Because it does something. Because it is able to save your souls. Now, we need to do a little bit of our theology check. And make sure we remember that save, sozo, does not always mean salvation in a justification sense. Right? When we talk about our salvation, there are three parts, remember? 
There's justification, which means to be declared righteous before God. That is what we would uh, most of the time refer to as salvation. Right, that, that is you, you becoming a child of the living God. You are no longer under the penalty of sin. Uh, that is what is going to send you to heaven right there, justification. Right, but there's two other aspects. The last one is glorification, when we're with him forever. All right, uh, the middle one, where we're at right now, we're in, uh, if, if you have believed in Jesus Christ, this is where you are at right now, is sanctification. It's God working in you and doing something and changing your heart and conforming you to the image of Christ. That's what he's talking about here because he's talking to Christians. wouldn't make any sense to have the other two. So he wants to sanctify us. This word can do that. But we got to receive it with meekness, with humility. We have to let it break down our strongholds. Our strongholds of pride. We have to let it reign over us. We have to let it hit us where it hurts. It's not going to be pleasant. At the end it will. But in the moment, have you ever been broken by the word? Like maybe maybe you were dealing with some kind of sin or something and God just got a hold of your heart through the word and he, and he broke you? Was that pleasant? At the time? No. It's painful. But after? Are you thankful for that? Yeah, because he did a work. He changed you. So let it hurt, hit you where it hurts because that's the only way to grow. And that's the only way that you can focus in on this, uh, this goal of ours, verse 20, to produce the righteousness of God. It's the only way is to receive the word with meekness and let it save our souls, let it sanctify our souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you praise and adoration, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you can speak uh, through flawed, through um, sinful people. Lord, speak even through sinful people like myself. And Lord, I pray that even now that your Holy Spirit would be working in our hearts. That if there is something from this text that we, we need to implement into our life, Lord, and I think there is. I, I pray that you would reveal that to us. That you would help us to, to put the steps into motion to make a change. To rely on you. Lord, if, if, if there is anyone in this room who is really struggling with anger is getting angry at their spouse or, or their children or their family members, friends. Lord, I pray that you would help these individuals to walk through this passage, that they would be quick to hear, that it would be their first instinct, that they'd be slow to speak, slow to anger, that they would produce the righteousness of God. And Lord, that they would receive with meekness the implanted word. Lord, I pray that for all of us. God, I pray that even in these next few moments as we prepare ourselves for communion and thinking about how you prepared everything necessary for that first part of our salvation, that justification that is enough to send us to heaven to be with you uh, for all of uh, eternity. We give you praise for that. And I pray that that would be our driving motivation to fight our anger, to fight our pride, and to be meek before you, to let your word do the work in our lives so that we can produce that righteousness.
so we can be like Jesus. That's all we want, God. We want to be like Jesus. I pray that you would just help us in this. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.